The inflation numbers are out, and uh, November can't come fast enough. A bigger story might be coming out of Ukraine, one that the Biden administration definitely doesn't want to deal with. And an and, and WNBA player is in custody in Russia. And we sh- I have two reasons why I say screw her and let her rot. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Well, I... I am really looking forward to my guitar lesson. I know I take guitar lessons. You probably want to hear me play, but I'm not going to because I really suck at it. I'm just learning. But anyway, I learned the solo for Stairway to Heaven. And I'm sitting back. I'm trying to memorize it. I spent the week memorizing it. My instructor said, yeah, you should learn that song. And uh, hey, it it sounds pretty good, but my fingertips feel like I'm basically losing all feeling in my fingertips now because I've been practicing so much. But that's it. So let's get to the news. Um, inflation is on the rise again. A report was released today from the, uh, from the wh- wh- where is it from, from the business, I don't know, from the government. And uh, it's the highest since 1982. Awesome. That's when we were re- com- coming off of the... Uh, Carter administration, that was the middle of the Reagan administration, but Carter was still, the Carter administration had it so high that it took Reagan a few years to drop it. So here's the the stats, and this is all from the report itself. So the consumer inflation jumped 7.9% over the last year. Uh, That's 0.8% higher in February. And don't forget, it was 0.6% in January. So it just keeps going up. Uh, The 12-month increase is the largest since January of 1982. Increases in indexes for gasoline, shelter, and food were the largest contributors. As a matter of fact, gasoline um, attributed to 30% of the rise. So... That's quite a bit. I mean, and they knew, everyone knew this was going to happen. This is not, not, a, not a surprise. Gasoline index rose 6.6%. And, has, um, and again, accounted for like a third. I'm actually reading it from the report. The food index rose 1% as the food at home index rose 1.4%. All, I, I mean, it's cheaper to eat out, it sounds like. Um the all items less food energy index rose 6.4%, the largest 12 months since the period of August 1982. The energy index rose 25.6% over the last year. And the food index increased 7.9%. So I guess you should walk to the grocery store and you should walk to the grocery store and I guess not buy anything. Because you're getting screwed all, either way. This is really bad news for us. This is really bad news for us. And it's not going down. And it's all because of Joe Biden's policies. Now, mind you, they're actually trying to change this again. Because that's what the Biden administration does. They don't take responsibility for anything. And the media is 100% behind them. Right now, the media is calling this the Putin price hike. Now, this was a 
this was a term used by the Biden administration and the frickin' uh, the frickin' uh, uh, media went right with it. That's what they're calling it. They put it in scare quotes to make sure that they didn't quote. They didn't to make sure they tell people they quoted it, but they don't say where it came from. So you might as well just accept it as what it is. The um, uh, they're also the Biden administration is also blaming. Get this, and especially. Oh, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren is blaming this. They're blaming it on corporate greed. That's what's causing inflation. Beef, pork, the beef industry, pork industry, chicken industry, dairy industry, confectionery industry, energy industry, and car industries are all conspired to make prices, all conspired together so that they could improve their profits and screw, screw Joe Biden. Do you see a problem with that? And of course, the Putin thing is just asinine because uh, inflation's been going up every month since Biden was elected. So this is not a thing. The Biden administration also needs to read a little basic economics by Thomas Sowell because the reality is all these guys raising their rates to meet profits usually means lower profits. That's just an economic reality. So how does the government decide that they're going to deal with this huge problem of inflation? How about spend more money? Just two days before the federal government would shut down, the United States House of Representatives decided to pass a $1.5 trillion spending bill. This is a huge package, which includes aid for Ukraine, um, it did remove $15.6 billion in COVID-19 funding. And they say it was because of bipartisan pushback. They just don't need it anymore. It was actually Republicans that had a real problem with this. Now, the good news is they did increase defense spending by 5.6%. I think that's kind of going to be important. But they also increased uh, domestic spending by 6.7%. So you might say to yourself, okay, so what does that mean? Well, this is what is going into this spending initiative. It's really, it's really disgusting. And I'd be shocked if this, it, I'd be very upset if this got through the Senate. I, you know, pers I'll, I'll get to it. So here's some of the things they want to spend on. $575 million for family planning. Okay. Um, $286 million for Title X funding to keep the lights on, on at Planned Parenthood. $32.5 million for pro-abortion UN population fund. Why we're giving the UN a dime, I, I have no idea. $200 million for a brand new Gender Equity and Equality Action Fund to help promote, and this is to, to actually promote abortion across the land. And then there's a lot of fun stuff. $100, $100 billion, with a B, on Green New Deal initiatives and the Advancement for Racial Justice Initiatives through the Department of Agriculture. How the Department of Agriculture has anything to do with the Green New Deal or the advancement of racial justice, I don't know. But why are we spending $100 billion on it? $100 billion for environmental justice activities. $75 billion for electric car promotions. 
$26 billion for food stamps. It also raises the funding to the National Health Institute to 10, uh, 10%. These guys have jacked up everything during COVID and you're giving them more money? And then finally, we can't forget this, provides $66 million to the racial and ethnic approaches to community health or REACH. My God. Do these people know that we're $30 trillion in debt? And we're spending crap money on this? And do we really need the government open that much? I, I Maybe, screw it, let the government shut down. This will keep the government going till September, supposedly. I hope to God this does not pass. I hope Mitch McConnell has some balls and he says, hey, we're not, we're not, we're not, no Republican is voting for this. It's garbage. It's way too expensive. It's, com- it's, it's funding crap that isn't necessary. And when are we going to get, I, I'm getting sick and tired of paying taxes and seeing the money go to things that I, I don't want to pay for. But that seems to be not a thing. It just, it's absolutely insane. So, you know, hey, $30 trillion in debt, we're, we're going to pay for this one day. And it's going to be during my lifetime. Definitely my kids and my grandkids are going to be paying for this. Incredible. Well, the United States is screwing Ukraine again, speaking of that war. And this stuff could be really, really, really ugly. But first, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about jets. Well, the pen, the uh, United States on Sunday, Antony Blinken said that uh, he would be willing to get into a deal with Poland, which had MiG twenty older MiG twenty nine fighters. He would make a deal that would have Poland send those MiG twenty nine fighters to Ukraine. And in place, the United States would give Ukraine some of our older F-16 fighters. He said this on Sunday. That was Sunday. Today's Thursday. So it was five days ago. Four days ago. Poland wanted to do the deal. But the big problem is they didn't want to send the jets directly to Ukraine. And the reason they didn't want to send the jets directly to Ukraine is because Poland is on the border of Ukraine and Russia, uh, of Ukraine is on the border of Ukraine. Russia's attacking Ukraine. Russia has been screaming that this is an act of war, if you do that. And Poland doesn't want to get invaded. The United States already said that they'd have Poland's back and, and stuff like that, but we already know what does that have... To, how, how good is our word anymore? No one believes anything we say anymore. So Poland said, okay... We will do the deal. They actually made the announcement, I believe it was on Monday. We will do the deal, and we're going to send the airplanes to uh, an Air Force base, a U.S. Air Force base in Germany. And then the United States would send the planes out. So yesterday, uh, the United, the Pentagon and the United States said, we're not doing the deal. And the reason they're not doing the deal is because the United States is afraid if they transport those uh, planes, they will be they will get Russia upset, and then Russia will do things that they don't want. Now, here's the question: Way to be weak, 
Way to be absolutely weak. You know what the United States would do? Yeah, we're dropping the, the planes off. And if anything happens, you're going to face the United States. There's a fantastic audio clip where Donald Trump was talking to one of his friends who couldn't have been that much of a friend. He recorded the conversation. And what Trump said was, he talked to Putin one day and he said, I'm going to, listen, if you do anything, I'm just going to walk into Moscow and take over Moscow. And Trump said, I believe, I believe he only believed me about 10%, but that was enough. That's what they meant by Trump was unpredictable. And that's why there were no wars during Trump's campaign. He always sat at a, at a position of strength. He always threatened. He did it with North Korea. Hey, Kim Jong-un, my nuclear bomb, a lot bigger than yours and it works. He always puts those seeds of fear that the United States will wake up and go in and just destroy them. And that's something that Biden doesn't understand. Biden is a swamp rat. And Biden, one thing you can say, he's consistent. He's always been consistent. There is no uncertainty with Joe Biden. China knows this. Russia knows this. North Korea knows this. But it, again, the United States backs out because the enemies are what he's concerned about. He doesn't care about the allies, though Ukraine is kind of an iffy ally. So other things that are happening over there, uh, Russia has confirmed that they're using vacuum bombs. So that's a war crime. They accidentally hit a, well, they didn't accidentally, they did it on purpose. They admit it, they hit a uh, maternity hospital. Um, Russia is now threatening to use chemical and biological weapons. But they're doing this for a reason, and that's where this story could get really ugly for the Biden administration, the Pentagon, the government, the NIH, just about everybody. It's that Russia has stated that the United States had biological weapons labs in Ukraine. Now, first off, I, I, I don't know, the story is complicated. And I'm not going to go into it because I think that's an entirely different podcast. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about what's going on. But so far, uh, some of the language coming out of the government is not good. At first, the government dismissed it. There are no biological U.S. biological labs. There's the key right there. There are no United States-run biological labs there. But then somebody in Congress yesterday said, yeah, there are labs there. They're Ukrainian labs that the United States funds. And when she was asked, well, what are you funded for? Um, dismantling biological weapons from the Soviet Union days. So that was in 1991. The labs were apparently there since 2005. The questions that are coming up right now is how long does it take you guys to actually disable biological weapons? What exactly are you doing? And then she got caught in another lie. And I, I'll, I'll, I can play this for you. Um, when I decide to do this, she got caught in another lie because she had to admit, well, we didn't exactly dismantle them all. 
there are a lot of facts coming out on this. I'm probably going to spend some time, probably spend this weekend trying to figure out what in the heck is going on in uh, Ukraine with these biological weapons. And because there are, uh, there, there are some companies that are being, that are said to have been working in these labs that directly go against the NIH again, Tony Fauci. Boy, that guy seems to be, <laughs> that guy seems to be everywhere, doesn't he? Beagles, torturing beagles, torturing mon- monkeys, COVID, China. I mean, if this, this could be a huge story. So we're going to have to take a look at that one. I'm going to do a little research this weekend and see if I can find something. Meanwhile, in the United States, during a time of such instability, what's the best way to show strength? Um, how about disabling a, a naval missile ship? A naval destroyer that's worth about two billion two hundred billion dollars. I I can't. I don't remember what the actual cost. Taking it offline because the captain on the ship who can't be fired and already has natural immunity apparently um, won't get a COVID shot. Okay, this is this is from the Navy Times reported on Tuesday that. Right now, there's a standoff between the U.S. Navy and the commanding officer of a destroyer worth nearly $2 billion. I do have it here. Because the commander has refused to take the COVID shot. Now, this commander was already in trouble, mind you. Because in November, he caught COVID. And he was sick. And he was walking around his ship with COVID, and apparently he infected some of the crew, or they think he infected some of the crew. I, I, yeah. So that's a question I'm going to ask at the end of this this little deal. So he had COVID. All right. So he won't take the shot now. Why not? Why would he? Is the question. The, the Navy wants to fire the guy, but there's a big problem with him being fired is they can't legally do it. There was a lawsuit. There is a lawsuit already pending. It's going through uh, the, court, the courts, and it was ruled on by the U.S. District Court of Middle District of Florida that by a judge named Stephen Maryday that basically said the lawsuit can continue on but the no Navy men or Marines can have any punitive uh, actions taken against them until the courts, until the courts rule. Courts haven't ruled yet, so they can't fire the guy. They were trying to fire the guy. They actually put in a request, but they can't do too much. Now I do want to point out that when he spread the disease on the ship yeah nobody died a couple people got sick that was about it they did have to pull the ship in until until everyone quarantined and everyone was better but no one died now i have some questions about this why does the captain need the shot when he's had covid back in november natural immunity has proven to be far stronger than the the i'm not even going to call it a vaccine anymore a, a vaccine anymore it's not a vaccine 
It's a shot. It doesn't prevent COVID. And I probably, I might get nailed here. I might just have had this removed from YouTube because I said that, but I'm going to say it anyway because I've had the vaccine and I've had COVID and I still caught COVID. If he's got natural immunity, what does he need the COVID shot for? And the big question, well, this isn't the big question, but this is the second biggest question is, is sacrificing our military less dangerous than COVID-19? Are we seriously going to take a battleship out of service because the captain doesn't want to take a vaccine? Does that really make us safer than him just not taking the vaccine or having him relieved of duty, just move him to someplace else until you get some? Is this seriously what, what it's about? And I think the biggest question here, when is this pandemic going to end? When is the government going to sit there and say, because this has not happened. When is the government going to sit there and say, you know something, um, pandemic's over. Don't worry about it. Forget it. We're going to lift the mandate on the military. But they won't do that. It's just insane. We're sacrificing our national security over this stupid pandemic. That's over. All right. Quinnipiac released a poll, and it's really telling. They did this. They released it uh, earlier this week. So let's take a look at this poll, um, and I'm going to read some of this stuff. You can actually look at the poll yourself if you go to dumbasstalkingpolitics.com. Uh, Americans say by a 70 to 22 percent that they would support a Russian oil ban, even if it meant higher gas prices in the United States. Um. There's a lot of people that don't like that idea because they think that, you know, we need oil, the price is going to go up. I'm not one of those people. I think, I don't think um, we need, I think taking Russian oil is worthless if you want to stop this war. Uh, all you're doing is funding the Soviet, uh, Russia. I keep calling the Soviet Union for some reason, but you're still funding Russia. I don't mind that we canceled the oil. I just don't want that to be the excuse Joe Biden uses that uh, gas prices are up. It's all because of Putin. That's what he's doing. Democrats, 82 to 12, and in, uh, believed in canceling the oil imports. 70, 22 for independents and 66, 30 for uh, Republicans. So it's pretty much down the line. Everyone believes it. As for whether the Biden administration has taken enough steps for to punish Russia, 56% say they are not tough enough. 30% say they're about right, and 3% say they're too tough. Those 3%, I don't know what they're doing. And you got to remember a lot of his sanctions. Uh, they're tough sanctions, but some most of, a lot of those sanctions are already on, in place, so it didn't make any it didn't make any uh, difference. According to this, there are broad support, 79 to 14, for you for a U.S. military response if Russia's Vladimir Putin goes beyond Ukraine and attacks a NATO country. Well, I, I thought this was a dumb question because, um, yeah, that has to happen. That's going to happen. That's, I, we're, we're, we're committed to that. We don't really have a choice. So I don't know why you're asking someone's opinion about it. 
In the next section, Americans are divided on Joe Biden's handling of the response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with 40% approving, 45% disapproving, and 13% offering no opinion. Now, that's up from 39% last week, so not much of a difference. Uh, I think that Biden is handling this pretty well, except he is really showing weakness. He should have had all of the sanctions on Putin two weeks before Putin invaded. That's where he failed. He is putting all of the sanctions on him now. It's a little late because now Russia can't leave. It, it, it's, it's a done deal. So I, I think his timing was bad. Uh, but everything he's doing is the right thing to do. Not, For example, not putting up a no-fly zone. I think that is an excellent example of what you should do. But I also think some of the things he's doing wrong, like the transporting of the planes, don't make that commitment if you're not going to follow through on that commitment. That makes you look weak to the enemy, and it makes you look like a really bad ally. His overall job approval is still in the negative, 38 to 51%. So his State of the Union speech did not help anything. It did boost it to 2% to 40%, and it just dropped again. Uh, now, this is the one that's really telling. Americans were asked what they would do if they were in the same position that Ukrainians are now. Stay and fight or leave the country. 55% said they would stay and fight. 38% um, said they would leave the country. That's not the telling part. I, I'm a little surprised by that because I would have thought it wouldn't have been 55. I would have thought it would have been 70 but apparently not. A lot of people don't like this country. Gee, I wonder who doesn't like this country. Well, Republicans said they would stay and fight, 68 to 25%. Independents say they would stay, stay to fight, 57 to 36%. Democrats? Yeah. They said they'd leave the country, 52 to 40. This is why I never want to hear about democracy from these people. Oh, we got to fight for democracy. I don't want to hear your baloney about fighting for democracy. I really don't. You guys have no patriotism anyway. You hate this country. Why would I trust you and your definition of democracy if you hate this country enough that you just will not fight for it? And and you can tell. That's why I keep saying a lot of this stuff that's that's going up, um, this inflation, uh, the stagnant economy, this is not an accident. Biden is a leftist. Everyone says he's a moderate. He's not a moderate. He's not even a progressive. He's a leftist. And he hates this country. He hates the way the country is. He wants to transform the country. And the best way to transform the country is undermine it the way he's doing. And he's not even hiding it anymore. All right. This is a story I, w I was really wanted to talk about and... I, I really wasn't sure why I wanted to talk about it, and then I thought about it, and I, I had a reason. So the story goes, America NBA star Brittany Griner was arrested in Russia on drug charges. Apparently she had a, a vape pen, and she had a bunch of cartridges with hashish oil in it. Uh, she plays for the uh, Phoenix Mercury in the NWA, 
but plays for a Russian team on the offseason because WNBA players, no one watches it, so they don't get paid a lot. So they play year-round. She just played in Russia. While she was coming back to the United States in February, uh, she was searched. They found the pen. They found the cartridges. And she was arrested. Uh, Right now, they can't find her. They don't know where she is. Uh, But she's looking at between 5 and 10 years in prison for drug possession. Now, Griner's agent, Lindsay Kagagwa, I don't, Colas, I don't care, said, quote, we are aware of the situation with Brittany Griner in Russia and are close, in close contact with her, with her, her legal representation in Russia, her family, her teams, and the WNBA and NBA. As this is an ongoing legal matter, we are not able to comment further on specifics of the case, but can confirm that as we work to get her home, her mental and physical health remain our primary concern. Now, why I read that is because she's not denying she had the stuff. And by the way, Russia doesn't have a heavy market for uh, hashish vape oil. So that it, it, chances are, yeah, she brought that over. She was carrying it. And of course, the Democrats are screaming, and we'll talk. Well, they're screaming that they need to release her. This is unjustified. They're calling her a hostage of the Russians. It sounds like she broke the law. Okay. Now, just to give you a little hint about this woman, because it might give you an idea why I think she should just stay there and rot. One of the things she she did was she knelt during the national anthem during the George Floyd riots. And she actually believed, voted for the national anthem not even to be played at WNBA games. One of the reasons I don't actually watch NBA or I never watch WNBA because it's so crappy and boring. So here's the thing. I have I have some thoughts about this. And uh, screw her. I don't care. Stay in Russia. Get she whatever she has to serve over there. If they decide to let her go with a fine, which is probably what's going to end up happening, or they decide to put her in jail for five years or ten years, that's her problem. Stay there. Who cares? It's. I find it amazing that people who hate this country, hate police enforcement, hate the law, they're the first ones to try and get... They're the first ones screaming when they get into trouble. But more to the point, And this is the reason I say she should rot. A while back, this may be 10, 15 years ago. This may have been longer. may have been 20. um, And I don't have the story in front of me because I just can't remember all of the details. But in Asia, I believe it was Malaysia, Singapore is where I think it was. There was a, a kid, American kid, who decided to do graffiti on the walls. And he was arrested. Now, in Singapore, I've never been to Singapore, but my understanding is one of the cleanest cities in the world. They don't have trash on the floor. They have trash cans everywhere. They have very strict rules on littering or defacing property. They've got very strict rules. So this kid, of course, the United States flipped out. This kid was arrested for graffiti. In the United States, we don't care about graffiti because, you know, hey, I mean, murder's not even illegal in this state. Child abuse is barely illegal in this state, in this country. So that's not a big deal. But this kid, the United States, was screaming, hey, you can't keep him. He's a United States citizen. 
Singapore didn't listen. I'm believing it's Singapore. It could be Malaysia. I'm not sure. Um, they didn't listen. They tried the kid. The kid was found guilty, and he had to go through, I believe it was between 10 or 20 lashings with a cane. So he was caned. All right. Now, a cane, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big bamboo stick. They pull down your pants in public, and they smack your ass with that cane 10 to 20 times. And the kicker with that caning, you're not sitting for a month. And I am not exaggerating. It is a brutal punishment. But he doesn't he wouldn't go to jail. So they they they've tried him, they found him guilty, they sent sentenced him to 10 to 20 lashes from the cane. The United States threw an uproar. The uh Sing Singapore and Malaysia didn't care. They ended up caning the kid. Now, why did I tell you this story? I was not one of those people screaming that that kid needed to be brought back. I was not screaming that the Singapore and Malaysian government should have let him go. He broke the law. He disrespected... I'll give you a step further. He disrespected that country. And that country sees, um, sees graffiti as far worse than the United States sees it. I personally think the United States should take a line out of that book and do some of the things some of these other countries do. We don't look at other countries and say, hey, they do a pretty good job there. How can we implement that? They don't do that here. That's why they are so, it's so dirty here, but it's so clean over there. Well, this is the same thing with this Greer gal. Grenier? Greer? Whatever the hell her name is. Griner. The same thing with this Griner gal. Um, hello, drugs are illegal in most countries in the world. Russia is one of those countries. You knew it was illegal. You'd been playing there for several years. You must have known it was illegal. You got caught carrying an illegal substance. You got arrested. You now need to, to be tried and you need to be punished if that's what they decide to do if you're found guilty. And there's not a damn thing the United States should, should do about it. She broke their laws. If you keep screaming sovereignty, sovereignty, so sovereignty, you can't sit there and say, well, Russia has no sovereignty because she's an NBA player, a WNBA player. And I got news to you. She broke the law. Actions have consequences. And she's going to have to live with those consequences. Because, yes, hash, pot, they're not a big thing here. Try carrying it from Singapore. Try smuggling it into Australia. Try smuggling it, well, obviously, we see what happens into Russia, into any Asian country. You could serve life in prison for that stuff. They don't mess around with drugs. If she's too stupid, and if she's too stupid to realize I shouldn't take drugs to a foreign country, I really don't want to see her back. She can, she can suck it up and deal with it on her own. All right, that's it. That was a quick one. I uh, hope you guys have a great day. Visit my website at Dumbasses Talking Politics. Um, we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.